welcome to episode 23 of um, Some More News. That's not the name of her fucking podcast. And you what, know what's the name of our podcast? Armchair Apocrypha. Armchair Apocrypha. That's right. That's the uh, the podcast where armchair experts tell possible true stories. Yeah. Mine's nice. totally cool this time. Is not it? that my other ones aren't. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is going to be pretty different from my what? past few episodes. Is it about an anarchist? It will not be about an anarchist. Shut up. <laughs> Taking a drink on that one. Let's take a drink Cheers. on that one. Cheers. I do have an anarchist in mind for next week, mm-hmm. but because my last four episodes were pretty heavy, I wanted to do something yeah. a little bit different. Last two were a two-parter. Yeah. <laughs> or part of a two-parter. This one will be a one-shot. Um, okay. It's also a little different because I don't think there's enough material there to make a Netflix series out of it, okay. but it could be a good like mini-series or a good like two-hour movie. And Is yours on nice, a person? It is on a person. What if we did the same person? Um... <laughs> That would be really funny. That would be really funny. <laughs> Is yours about a musician? Nope. Okay. Okay. We're good. We're good. Uh, yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. That would be so funny. Ever. I love it because my favorite murder has done this before because they don't tell each other. Yeah. They're like, wait until the day yeah. that we have the same murder. And then Stephen. Stephen has like, for Stephen. Instead like, of a backup. Um, yeah. <laughs> murder. Um, Emergency It hasn't murders. happened yet. Yeah. Um, How was your week? I I told you, it was really, it was busy. I worked every day and I was dog sitting, but it went by really fast and I got my tattoo. Nice. So I'm excited about that, obviously. Yeah. You need to take a picture of it and post it up on the website so the viewers can, or the listeners can view it. I'll let it heal a little more. Yeah. But yeah, I really like lots. It's really cool. Thank you. Um, Yeah. How about you? Tell me about your week. It was really tiring. I had a friend in from out of town, um, and I had uh, some uh, street medic training and a lot uh, just going on throughout the week. Um, I didn't make it to trivia on Tuesday because I was just so busy doing everything. Um, but yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. It was really good um, information, um, and it's always just good to have like old friends come in from out of town. Oh yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, but it was pretty good. And then it's I spent a all good medicine. It is. And then I spent all week in napping. So. <laughs> <laughs> I've literally taken like four naps in the past two days. Get out. <laughs> I was so tired. I hardly slept last night and I was so excited because this is my first time back home in like yeah. four days. And I laid on the couch and I was like, I'm not going to fall asleep. I can tell. Yeah. But I should sleep all the night. So it would be fine. I had a, a phone call. I've got a potential employer. Um, so I had a phone call on Friday where she was asking me questions and like, um, she said that she would call between 3.30 and 4.15 she ended up calling at 4.30. So I'm, I'm sitting on my couch, just laid back, like waiting for her to call. And around 4.15, I'm like, she's probably not going to call today. Something probably happened. I'm just going to take a nap. pop open a beer. Oh. And then, um, my phone went off like five minutes later. I was like, oh, That's I have to do this now. <laughs> And is that, was that like the pre-screening to your interview on Tuesday? Yep. Nice. So you're past one barrier. Past one barrier. Hopefully uh, we'll be past the next barrier on Tuesday. Yes. Fingers crossed. I can't wait to hear about it. Keep your fingers crossed for me. Of course, uh, listeners, you, uh, you're you in the future now, so you know if I got the job <laughs> or not. But uh, keep your fingers crossed for me anyway, because yeah. you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, do you want to get into today's episode? Yeah, I'm really excited to hear about your musician. Cool. 
you're not anarchist musician. My, my not anarchist musician. <laughs> Um, so Can like, you give me the name and then I guess what time period they're from? Uh, yeah, sure. Her name is Yoko uh, Kano. 1924. Nope. 2000. Pretty close. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, Yoko Kano is a Japanese composer, arranger, and musician. Best known her, uh, for her works on the soundtracks of anime films, mm. television series, live action films, video games, and advertisements. So, all forms of media, perhaps? Basically, <laughs> yeah. Um, if you uh, ever had an anime phase, or if you're still in your anime phase, you have probably uh, seen at least one of her series. Um, she did the, uh, the intro song for Cowboy Bebop. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Claudia fucking loved Cowboy Bebop. Yes. She talked about it all the time. Yeah. Um, she also did uh, uh, music for uh, Turn A Gundam, which uh, is a big series. Uh, the movies Porco Russo, uh, Macross Plus, uh, The Vision of Escoflone. Um, she did the intro song for Cardcaptor Sakura. Hmm. Um and uh, the Ghost in the Shell standalone complex and Ghost in the Shell standalone complex too. Uh, <laughs> she also did um, the music for a bunch of video games, including Ragnarok Online Two, which was an MMO. Okay. Um, so she's really prolific, uh, and she's one of she's considered one of the most influential composers in Japan, um, and one of the most influential anime composers ever. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, and the story has a little bit of a twist to it, which is, is why I think Love it would make a good movie or a good miniseries. Okay. Um, but we'll get to that. Um, yeah, so you can't tell the twist right away. I just wanted to, like, Wait, broadcast let us, it. No, no, yeah, I like that. I like that when, like, a movie or show's like, yeah. something's going to happen, <laughs> but you won't know when, but you're going to have the anticipation <laughs> and forget about it the exactly. moment it happens. Yeah, exactly. Love it. Have you watched um, a series of unfortunate events on Netflix? I haven't, and I like Neil Patrick Harris, but I've never read the books. But I hear it's really you and Mary talk about it. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, And Lemony Snicket does that all the time, where he's like, "Something is going to happen in this elevator shaft," but we'll get to that later. Oh, I love that. That's just fun. Yeah. Um, So Yoko Kano uh, was born in 1963 in Sendai, Sendai, Japan. Um, She was basically a child prodigy. she was attending church with her parents when she studied the keyboard um, and the piano and the organ uh, at her kindergarten. I did that too. Did you though? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in elementary school, she began participating in composition contests. Uh, in high school, she lost interest in music for a little while and she became more interested in literature. Um, and after high school, she went to Wasada or Waseda University where she majored in literature. Uh, while she was there, she began to transcribe and play music for the graduate students at Wasada, and it re- rekindled her love of for music. music. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Sometimes you gotta leave it and realize you love it and come back to it. Exactly. Um, that wasn't a metaphor for a person or anything. I meant, like, your passion. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't recommend doing that with No, person. no, I wouldn't recommend that. I, I was thinking about them, like, oh, there's so many <laughs> shitty movies made about that with people. Yeah. Like, no, that has to do more with your inner self. <laughs> but sometimes you need to step away from your passions, like, do something else for yes, a while. You yeah. don't want to be consumed by one thing. Exactly. Yeah. Or a person. Or a person. <laughs> um, 
So let's see. Unless that person's Beyonce. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Beyonce is the only exception. Yep. She's the ass. She's the reason there's an asterisk. <laughs> <laughs> um, so while she's at university and she's doing the stuff, uh, she joins a band. Um, it's just a small time band. Uh, but she's transcribing music, she's composing, she's doing all of this stuff in her free time. And the Japanese video game company Koei uh, approaches her to compose a soundtrack for uh, uh, Nobunaga's Ambition, which is a war strategy game set in feudal Japan. Okay. Um, it was really low resolution. Um, it was the 1990s. I was so going to ask like, what year it was. Uh, it's Microsoft, like very uh, beginning stages. Exactly. It's like a. You can see the pixels. You can. <laughs> um, and so she didn't have much room to work with. And so a lot of the uh, soundtrack, she said, was from creating the sound that she could out of the processing power that she had. Okay. And then letting the negative space fill in for what she couldn't do. Smart. It's really ingenious if you think about it. Uh, <clears throat> she got her big break on the uh, animated film Macross Plus, which was a rebranding of the old Macross series about uh, giant robots fighting each other, <laughs> as you can imagine. That sounds bad, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, from there, she went to uh, a bunch of different uh, small series, Escoflone, Wolf's Reign, um, until she eventually ended up with Cowboy Bebop. And uh, this is where she got a lot of her um, her most artistic freedom with the series. Yeah. Because uh, the director of Cowboy Bebop uh, would basically say, here's the storyline that we're thinking about, here's the characters that we're thinking about, go make music, music for, for it. it. And she didn't have any of the final scripts, she didn't have any of the final characters, she just knew the ideas that she but was playing with. But that's perfect, because music adds so much, it's <laughs> yes. not even funny. Yes. Or the lack of is just as impactful. Exactly. Love it. Um, and so she wrote a lot of the music before even the scripts had been written. Mm -hmm. uh, and so if you ever watch Cowboy Bebop and they have those big, uh, really intense, really um, intricate fight scenes yeah. and scenes where like uh, vehicles are crashing through um, like the city center or things like that, mm -hmm. and it all matches up perfectly with the music, it's usually because the animators took the music and then wrote the scenes around that. That's so cool. It's so cool. And I think, yeah, gosh, that's so neat. Um, so. <clears throat> that's very different than what people do today, yeah. obviously. Or at least in the Western <laughs> world. Yeah, usually, unless you're like an auteur, usually you make. Even more. John Williams does it yeah. to what he sees. Yeah. And he's brilliant. <laughs> he is. Um. It, it was actually talking about him. <laughs> it was actually a discussion online that I saw about composers other than John Williams that led me to Yoko Kano. Oh, okay. so it's really interesting that yeah. you bring that up. Um, so while she's uh, while she's recording Cowboy Bebop, uh, she needs to get this big band together to do all of the different styles of music, play all of the different instruments. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> If you haven't seen Cowboy Bebop, the musical styles are all over the place. There's jazz, there's uh, bebop, of course, um, <laughs> there's reggae, there's American it's folk, there's like rock. One. It's not all oh, one neat. thing. And she had to make it like coherent with one single unit. Um, and so she formed the band called Seatbelt, which is <laughs> um, the band that she travels and plays concerts with. Seatbelt? Seatbelt. I like it. <clears throat> it's not what I would expect. No. 
but I like it. Yeah. Is that the twist? No, <laughs> that's not the twist. Um, so she uh, she's traveling around and playing concerts with seatbelt. She's writing music uh, for video games, anime, um, movies, live action movies. She's uh, making um, commercials. Uh, she's getting paid for her work, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but whenever she writes a uh, whenever she writes a song that has English or um, English vocals, okay. um, needs a singer like that, she credits a woman named Gabriella Robin. Okay. And so people keep asking her like, "Who is Gabriella Robin?" And she's saying, "Oh, go ahead." <laughs> she's saying like, "It's an old friend. It's uh, somebody that I record with. Mm-hmm. It's somebody who does the lyrics mm-hmm. and stuff for my my yeah. movies, uh, for my songs, for all this stuff." Um, but nobody had ever met her or seen her. Like, nobody had ever heard of her before. So she has all of these English songs that are credited for uh, uh, Gabriella Robin, but nobody knows who Gabriella Robin is. Mm-hmm. Um, so in 2009, uh, somebody is interviewing her, and she says, uh, if you really want to find out who Gabriella Robin is, come to the uh, Tanabata Sonic Concert, Shit, where I'll be playing awesome. with the Warsaw uh, Philharmonic Orchestra. That's so badass. Who's um, Gabriella? Do the help. <laughs> it's her cat. It's not her cat. <laughs> um, so at the end of the uh, at the end of the concert, while she's singing and playing music with the Warsaw Philharmonic, Kano turns to the audience and sings the song "Moon," a song that she had written for uh, the Turn A Gundam soundtrack, um, in English. Okay. And she reveals that she is Gabriella Robin. <laughs> And Gabriella Robin is her su- as her pseudonym for when she writes English language songs. Gabriella was the name she went with. Gabriella Robin. <clears throat> I like it. Uh, in a later interview, she re- she uh, she reveals that um, she had heard the Israel Philharmonic Orchestra playing music, and that was one of her big influences. Um, at the at the time that she had heard the Israel uh, Philharmonic Orchestra playing, uh, Yachak Robin. Uh, Rabin was the prime minister of oh. Israel, and so she took the name Rabin and turned it into Robin, Robin, and then westernized it to make it her western counterpart. Smart. She was an interesting person. <laughs> um, in addition to Japanese, she speaks English, since she's composing yeah. English, but she says that she doesn't speak it very well, um, and she also speaks some French, which she has also written music in French before. <laughs> But she says that she needs a, a translator in order to help her converse in it. Um, and uh, she um, she's still alive, she's still working, and she's still uh, playing a lot of um, charity concerts. Uh, in 2011, she, she did one for uh, the Tohoku earthquake and tsunami victims. Mm-hmm. Um, and she uh, is still playing and touring and composing to this day. That's so cool. It's really weird because I've never like done a person who's still alive and still working before. I don't yeah. Think. My person is not still alive okay. by any means. And she's my new hero. Okay. <laughs> who feel, is she? I feel like you may have, you know, of her. And I'm going to butcher her name okay. so bad. But today I'm going to talk about Julie. <laughs> I'm sorry. Julie. Um, Davigny. Her name. Her. her Julie. Da, 
Daubigny, maybe? Daubigny, yeah. Um, she's also known as La Mapin. La Mapin? Yeah. <clears throat> so here's a way to put her. College humor, like the website that mm. I never go to, but <laughs> put it as, describes her as the swashbuckling bisexual genderqueer opera singer your history teacher never taught you about. Yes, yes, I know. So I, yes, <laughs> you do know her? I do know yes, her, yes, I thought you would. When I was like, looking at this, I'm like there's no fucking way Andrea's never heard of this lady. No, I've heard of her. Because <laughs> she's so awesome. Yes. So today we're going to talk about her. She should definitely have her own. She Netflix should definitely series. have her own Netflix. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> All right, so here's some more of your history in case you forgot bits and pieces of okay. it. She was a born. She was born either in like between 1670 to 1673. So mm-hmm. in this three-year gap, they don't really know. She was the daughter of a secretary to King Louis the Fourteenth, master of horse, Count de Arm. Oh, it's gonna be so bad. Count de Armnac, one of France's great nobles. Mm-hmm. It is believed she lived at first in the writing school at the Palace in Paris, then moved with the court to Versailles in 1682 and spent her youth in the, in the great stables, as they put it. Mm-hmm. Her father was an accomplished swordsman and trained the court pages and so educated his only child, Julie, alongside the boys. Nice. She dressed as a boy and um, excelled at fencing at an early age. Nice. So there we go. <clears throat> By the age of 14, she had become um, the Count de Armnac's mistress. And so basically, like the father and this guy found her a husband, uh-huh. this timid guy named de Maupin, where, which is where we get La Maupin, right, right. who was promptly dispatched to the prom- provinces to a, what's <laughs> what I got this from, to a stimulating job in tax collection. <laughs> um, <laughs> So basically, her husband received an administrative position in the south of France, but the count kept her in Paris. Right. Um, so she's married. And literally, they say it's like the day after their wedding, he leaves. So it's like, I don't know. Yeah. So she's married to the tax collector. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they're married, like the king just sends them to a different yeah. area of France. Yeah. That's or a great. count does. Yeah. It's good to be the king. Yep, it is. Tis. Um, so while her husband is off in another country, Julie de, de Bogne, uh, <laughs> she moves to Marcel uh-huh. and started hooking up with a fencing master, because mm-hmm. she's still taking fencing classes, who just so happened to be on the run at that time for a murder after he stabbed someone to death in an alley outside Paris. <laughs> Naturally. Naturally. Um, and this person's name was Seron. S-E-R-A-N-E. Um... So, so Julie and Saron. Huh? Julie and Saron. Yes. Um, so he trained her in the finer arts of fencing for a while, but as soon as she realized that the student was now the master, <laughs> <laughs> love where, where I got this from, she ditched him and started giving um, sword exhibitions across Marcel to honor her skills and make a little extra dough. Uh-huh. Um Basically, this is how it went down. She'd pull out her sword, sing a song or two, because she had an excellent singing voice, and would challenge anyone in the audience to battle her in a duel. If someone stepped up, she'd sing a humiliating song about them, (laughs) then make them look like assholes who couldn't tell the difference between a sword and a limp piece of linguine. Nice. Um, Her skills were, like, so... um, 
kind of spectacular, I guess yeah. is the way to put it, that some guy in the crowd actually called out that she wasn't really a woman, because, you know, a woman can't be a fencer. Oh, right. Um, yeah, of course. But that didn't stop Julie. Um, <laughs> she responded by ripping open her blouse and telling the aunts to judge for themselves. <laughs> That's awesome. Oddly enough, this led to a completely unrelated job prospect. Not her taking down her trousers, but um, uh, she uh, apparently while she was singing songs to hum- humiliate her enemies in these dueling circles, as they called it, some opera people saw her and they were so impressed by her voice that they decided she should be in the opera. In the span of a few months, the woman known in Marcel only as La Mopin went from a completely untrained street performer to the lead actress in the world's most respected opera, playing roles of badass classicals like Palace Athena, Medea, and uh, Dido, I think is how you pronounce it. Dido, yeah. Yeah. In addition to her flair for the dramatic and innate musical talent, it also helped that Lama Mopin had near photograph- photographic memory and rarely needed to read her lines more than once before committing to memory. I'm so jealous of people who can do that. I don't Me understand too. how yeah. they can do that at yeah. all. I really am jealous. Well, she's clearly a bard, so clearly. Huh? <laughs> she's clearly a bard. So yeah, yeah. Clearly. Like, oh my gosh. So she basically grows up, has an affair at 14, gets married, but then goes off, runs away. Not really runs away, just leaves. Well, while having an affair with, while the, having a f- with the, the fencing master, leaves him. Yeah. Makes shows for money, <clears throat> and then somehow through that gets a job at the opera. Mm-hmm. And she's like literally 18 at this time. Yeah, yeah. She's a teeny buffer. <laughs> Well, on we that day, she's 30. Like We haven't even gotten to the convent yet. No, we haven't. <laughs> I'm so glad you know about it. That's the best part. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> so, of course, her fiery temperament and love and combat, combat meant that she slept with or sort of fought with most of the men and women in the opera at various points during her career. Yep. One time... Um, some guy was being overly aggressive while talking to one of her fr- actress friends. So La Mopin told her, told him to show the lady some respect. He told her to fuck off and mind her own business. Whatever they said that back in the day. Later, the that his friends so probably fuck off and mind your own yeah, business. Probably, yeah, probably. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> um, later that night, as he was walking home, he found La, La Mopin standing in the street, weapon drawn, challenging him to a duel for honor. When the guy refused to pull a sword, she beat him with a wooden cane, stole his pocket wash, and left him in the alley. The next day, the guy came to work, like, bruised and battered, <laughs> and when people were like, what happened? He told them he got drunk, jumped by three guys. As soon as he said that, La Mopin pulled out the dude's pocket watch and called him out in front of everyone. <laughs> Then, to make matters more humiliating, she forced him to beg for forgiveness. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but I really like that part. <laughs> so here's the best, one of the best parts of the story. Um, she and this one woman fall in love, and unfortunately, since it's been like a couple hundred years, her name has been lost. We yeah. don't know her name anymore. Julie and this woman were caught by the woman's parents. How embarrassing. <laughs> so what any parents did back then the girl that girl's family quickly packed her off to a convent in avignon yep um but what did julie do <laughs> she followed her <laughs> entering as like a person who also wants to join the yeah. convent um and they lived there for a couple months and then one night taking advantage 
After an elderly nun died, the pair stole the body, placed it in the girl's cell, and set fire to the convent and escaped. Yep. <laughs> they were on the run for three months, and Julie was sentenced to death and absentia by the parliament and province under, under her name. Um, as the judges couldn't quite admit the possibility of one woman abducting another, let alone from a convent. <laughs> <laughs> The girl was eventually returned to her family, and Julie continued her journey through the countryside, now, like, galvanting off again. Nice. They just, they literally <laughs> took a dead nun's body and, like, let's try this. And the thing is, at one point you think, maybe we shouldn't do this, but they went through with it. And they burned down the convent. And they the burned convent. down the convent. <laughs> they did it for love. They did, they did it for love. Um, okay. So now time for another badass story. A little while later, a trio, three guys were drunk and were giving Julie a hard time while she was performing songs in a rowdy tavern. So she took all three of them out into the grassy courtyard and when they all jumped her at the same time with their swords, she drew her blade and made sure every single one of them was suffering from multiple stab wounds before she went back to the fucking tavern. Like, uh, no biggie. Here's the funny part. The next day, she felt kind of bad about stabbing one of the guys. Yeah. Um, so she went to his room to see how he's doing and then ended up seducing him. And they apparently were a couple for a little bit and then lifelong friends. Nice. <laughs> I never imagined to stab someone and then like <laughs> seduce them. <laughs> and how they be you, friends. How did you two meet? Well, she stabbed me. And then it just <laughs> went from story. there. <laughs> um. So that happened. <laughs> so she took. Um, so now we're back into. Uh, and apparently, no, it wasn't this. It was something else. Okay. So while this is going on, she took singing lessons from a retired teacher, Mara Chal, we'll say, and paired up with a new lover, Gabriel Vincent Thevenyard, who also fancied himself a singer. Yeah. Um. Together they went back to Paris, and on their first day there, while Julie was visiting her old lover back when she was 14, the Count, mm-hmm. to convince him to arrange a pardon for her indiscretion in the covenant, yeah. in the con- covenant, in the con- <laughs> convent, um, uh, her, like, lover, Gabrielle Vincent, auditioned for the opera and was hired immediately. Um, his condition was that Julie will also be allowed to audition in the opera reluctantly and agreed. So, oh no, this is so by the age of 17, she found herself a member of one of the world's greatest musical companies. Nice. Yeah. 17. 17. Yep. Cheers to that. Um, so, she was pardoned for her crimes by the king because, you know, money and power will get you anywhere. Right. She definitely had power. Yeah. Um, so, she was pardoned from, she was pardoned for her crimes for, you know, burning down a convent for love. And by the king, it went on to become a star appearing in all of the opera's major productions from 1690 to 1694. She became adored and celebrated, and this is when she became La Maupin. Um, So four years, she was in all major productions. Nice. Like, oh, no biggie. (laughs) Um, But her career did hit a little stale part for something that happened at a ball. Yeah. Um, Lama Pin was at a royal ball in the palace of King Louis XIV, attending as the guest of Louis's brothers, Prince Philippe, 
She showed up to the party dressed as a man in a scarlet tunic and immediately started dancing with all the beautiful ladies. That was fine and all. But when she had the audacity to, ki to kiss a particularly blonde lady right in front of the entire royal family, three noblemen got a little bent out of shape is what they put it. She was so, like, she did not give a yeah, shit. she's audacious. I love it. Um, I want to be her. <laughs> um, so she kissed this lady, and these three men got bent out of shape about it and told um, Julie that she needed to start acting like a lady. So what did she do? She offered to take it outside, defeated all three of them in three consecutive duels, then came back to the party while they were still lying bleeding in the streets. <laughs> <laughs> um, this event clearly drew a little heat on her. Duels are, were now illegal. So now she got herself in trouble again. Oh, no. Damn it, she can't stay out of it. Um, so while she waited for things to cool down, she decided to go to Brussels for a while and had an affair with the German prince who happened to be in charge of ruling over the Spanish Netherlands. <laughs> when in doubt, stays royalty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she not have a problem with it. Okay. <clears throat> but he did find her a bit too much to handle after she stabbed herself on stage with a real dagger. <laughs> As one does. As you do. Um, and he offered her 40,000 francs to leave him alone. She threw the coins at the feet of his emissary and stomped off to Madrid. So she clearly didn't need money. I think maybe four years to be in opera, she became a drama queen. Probably. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> Still love her. Um, she found herself working as a maid. This is later now, now, so now. Because clearly, after the whole snafu at the ball, and then this thing happening in Brussels, now she's working as a maid to a countess. To Countess Marino, whom she resented so much that one night before a grand ball, she dressed the Countess's hair with radishes so that everyone but the Countess could see them. <laughs> Needless to say, she was on the road back to Paris before the Countess arrived home. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so Lama Pen, Julie, uh -huh. was pardoned for her duels because money and power. Exactly. Uh... This time through the intervention of Monsieur, the king's brother, so money and power, yeah, yeah. and returned to the stage. You know, it's kind of like Hollywood these days, <laughs> like, oh, you did this horrible thing? Well, that's fine. I'll just forgive him. Exactly. Um, she performed for the court at Versailles, appeared once again in, the, in most major opera productions, and introduced the Italian idea of a contra, uh, contra, contra alto, contralto, Contralto? Yeah, voice to France, which I'm not really sure what that is. I'm not um, a musical person or like... I forget exactly. But it has alto in it, so yeah. I don't know. She defended coarse girls against lecherous barons and pompous, pompous tenors, became infatuated um, with the soprano Fanchon Moreau, tried to kill herself, threatened to blow the Duchess of Luxembourg's brains out, ended up in the court for attacking her landlord. <laughs> There's got to be a fucking show about her. It's like there Netflix should be a series. show, yes. yeah. We can fill in the blanks with what we don't know. <laughs> so here we go. Now we're in 1703. She falls madly in love with Madame la Marquise de Florensac, mm -hmm. um, who's quoted as the most beautiful woman in France. Um, or someone quoted that. So beautiful that she too had to flee to Brussels for several years because um, the someone high up 
was obsessed with her. So Madame La Florenzac was also one of the most famous, wealthy, and well-connected women in France. The two women lived together, um, according to one account, in perfect harmony for two years until La Florenzac died of a fever. Oh. I know. Um, and so she died in 1705. Oh, yeah. It's a... It is said that La Maupin, Julie, could not deal with the death of De Florenzic and retired from the opera in 1705 when, um, when, yeah, Florenzic died, sorry. Yeah. And then... Given, given her past, I really expected it was going to be infidelity. I was waiting for the infidelity. No, it <laughs> wasn't it. it they wasn't lived, infidelity. I know, twist! <laughs> it was true love! Or at least for two years it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, they lived together for two years until she died, until... Uh, forensic Florence Sack died. Um, and then, ironically enough, La Mohamed entered a convent. Again? Um, yep. Where she died. Because it worked out so well. In 1707, time. two years later, Aww. at the age of either 33 or 37. That's so She's sad. So she young. was so young. And no one really, it doesn't say, like, all the websites I was at doesn't really explain what happened. She probably was sick with something. Um, and it didn't say how long she was there. I think she was probably there for at least a year or something, so it wasn't too long after yeah. uh, La Florenzic had died. But that's just like, there's so much story to her, and I know there's a book about her, and I bet there's so much more in there, but yeah. I obviously don't have time to read it this week or last right. week. But her, she sounds so badass. I love her story. Nice. I mean, I don't, wouldn't want to be her at all <laughs> by any means. Um, I'm not one for fighting people or things like that. (laughs) (laughs) Or stabbing myself. Right. But it's pretty cool. (laughs) She's very badass. Yeah, she's very badass. And she deserves her own Netflix series. Could you imagine? That would be so cool. That would be really cool. But yeah, that's... Well, you know her. Yeah. La Mopin. La Mopin. Is it... I want to see if I can... Yeah. Julie Daubonnier, I think. Daubonnier. Yeah. But, yeah, it's cool. Which, I wish they knew more about her death, but it seems like since she wasn't... The reason we know so much is because she was famous and an opera singer. If she wasn't, yeah. then we wouldn't know this much about her. So, I'm kind of curious. I bet there's, in, like, some book somewhere, it might say why she passed away. But yeah. I can't remember um, what it was. I don't think it said it in any of the websites I went to. And there were some that were really intricate about it. Yeah. Um, Wikipedia was actually not helpful at all in this. <laughs> uh, there were other websites that had way more information about yeah. her. It's so interesting, though. She's really interesting. Yeah. And I bet, like, we only know, like, half of it, you know what I Probably, mean? Probably, yeah. Because it was, like, over, like, 300 years ago now. It's so cool. It's so cool. Okay, good. I'm glad I really you... enjoyed that. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm glad that you knew, like, what parts you were going to. Is there anything I missed? Uh, not that I know okay. of. The, the story that I've, I've always heard her refer to is the burning down the convent and dressing like a, uh, dressing like a man to duel uh, yeah. men. Um, but I hadn't heard a lot of the other stuff, so it helped fill in a lot of gaps. Okay, cool. Yeah. I like these like pictures that they have of her. Yeah. But yeah, there she is. The swashbuckling lady of... If it ever opens. No. No. 
and I need to change my. She also looks really cool. If you just like Google, Google her, search, yeah, she looks a lot uh, badass. She looks really badass. Mm-hmm. I need to see if there are any movies made about her, but we'll I'll look at that later. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, that's our episode this week, listeners. Thank you for joining us. Um, as always. Uh, check out the websites, uh, absentactivismarts.wordpress.com. Um, we've got uh, artwork, art, artwork by Katie, uh, music by Chet Osman. Um, we need to add some music by our new uh, singer-songwriter. Um, we've got uh, my short stories, my yes. novels. Um, we've got blog posts up. Uh, we're on Facebook at um, Absent Activism Arts. Uh, we're at uh, Twitter at Absinthe Act Arts. Um, we're on Patreon at Absinthe Act Arts. <laughs> um, what else? I think that's it. Yeah. Cool. It's good. Uh, so we'll let you get on with your week. I uh, hope you guys have a good week, and we'll see you next time. Till next time. Bye. Bye.